So I don't know if you remember the last time that I had the opportunity to stand in front of you. I, my guess is some of you may remember. So I would ask if you would politely tone down your laughter just a little bit as you figure out what I'm talking about, okay? Because I'm very sensitive. And like, so you may remember because the last time I had the chance to fill the pulpit, we talked about two different types of relationships, right? So we talked about the horizontal relationships and the vertical relationships. So there was not super loud laughter, so thank you so much for that, right? So I want to start off by saying that I understand that this is vertical and this is horizontal, okay? See, like see? <laughs> thank you, see, that feel better now, thank you. So we talked about the relationship that we have horizontally between us and God necessarily impacts the relationships that we have with one another. That we cannot separate the vertical relationships with the horizontal ones. And we talked about how God, Jesus said there's two commands, love God and love your neighbor. And it, if you remember, we even talked about the commandments that each of the Ten Commandments deals with how we relate to God or how we relate to one another. That is an important concept for us to remember this morning because this morning we want to talk about our identity as it occurs in community. So we're going to talk about how do I find my identity. Now, I want to just preface something here real quick that when I am speaking about identity, I'm speaking about our identity in Christ. And when I speak about community, I'm speaking about the Christian community in the body of Christ. Okay? So just to clear up some confusion, and I want to walk us through three steps in how we can find our God-given identity in community. But before we start, let's look to the Lord in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So there's three steps. If you're writing these down, I'm going to give them to you quick, and then we'll go back and cover them more thoroughly. First of all, the first step is we find our identity in community. That as Christians, we find our identity in Christian community. Secondly, in finding our identity, we find purpose in our identity. So when we find our identity, we will find our purpose. And thirdly, when we fulfill our purpose, we will impact others. Okay? So we find our identity in community. We find purpose in our identity. And when we fulfill our purpose, we make an impact. Okay, so let's start there. So let's start with finding our identity in community. So Romans 12 is a really, really great place for us to start, which is good because that's what we have for this morning. But Romans 12 is a critical chapter. So the book of Romans 
is this great, deep theological book that Paul writes to the Roman church, the church in Rome. And he, there's so much great thing, so much in there that's great. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we've got this great book of deep theological knowledge, and then everything pivots at Romans chapter 12. If you look, if you look at Romans chapter 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore. So I'm going to make my professor, Bob Smith, very happy, because when you're reading through your Bible and you see the word therefore, you have to go and find out what the therefore is there for. Okay? So, the, like, so he, when he says therefore, he's saying, I just wrote you 11 chapters worth of teaching, 11 chapters worth of knowledge, so now, because of all of that, because we're sinners... Because Christ died for us and because we call on his name, we are saved. Because we find salvation by Christ alone and faith alone, by grace alone. I butchered that, but you, can, you know the point. Grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. Because of all that, here's what I want you to do. Therefore, and then listen to what he says. I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. So he says, because you've become right with me, because Christ paid the penalty for my sin, because now I'm saved, because he has made me right with God vertically, I want you to live sacrificially, horizontally. Why? Because this is your spiritual act of worship, which strengthens our relation vertically. You see that? So he says, you've become right vertically, so now live sacrificially, horizontally, and when you do that, you give me worship to the vertical. How cool is that? Notice he doesn't say your spiritual act of worship is singing the hymns. Your spiritual act of worship isn't coming and sitting here on Sunday morning. The spiritual act of worship isn't reading your Bible. By the way, those are all really good things. I'm glad that you do those things. We should practice those things. Those are really great. But he says, live sacrificially. Now, some of you are probably really smart and are saying, well, hey, me being here is sacrificial. Yes, there is a sacrifice. So the act of worship is not in just being here, the act of worship is, boy, I would rather be at home having a big breakfast in my bed with a blanket, but I choose to come and be in community, and that is a sacrifice for some of us. And this is what, God, what, what Paul is saying is, when we live sacrificially, it brings glory and honor to God, the vertical and the horizontal. And what's amazing about that is in order for us to live sacrificially, 
that means we must necessarily live in community. If I live a life that only involves myself, then who am I going to sacrifice for? Right? Parents, you understand this. You lived, and then all of a sudden you had a child, and then all of a sudden your life changed, right? Life changes when you have children because children are demanding. They need stuff. They're like, I need to be fed again. I'm like, I just fed you yesterday. Why do you need to be fed now? You keep growing. Stop growing. I already bought you clothes. I don't want to buy you more clothes, right? Like having children is a sacrifice. It's wonderful. There's a great gift that comes in that. But just like living sacrificially brings us glory to God, gives glory to him, and that ultimately it feels like a sacrifice, there's a greater purpose just like there is with parenting. Right? So kids, don't be mad at me. Like, your parents love you, and it's your blessing, and they mean that. It's true. Right? Okay. So we find our identity in community. And then as Paul goes on, he says, listen, I've gifted each and every one of you. When we receive Christ, when we confess Christ as our Savior, the Spirit comes and he indwells us. Paul, in one of the letters, I, I forget the letter, so you have to forgive me. He says, the Spirit is a deposit that guarantees our salvation. So the Spirit comes and he indwells us, but he doesn't just indwell us, he empowers us with gifts. So that each one of us has been gifted in a different way. So when we come together in community, we can each use the gifts, the supernatural power that God has given us to build one another up. You see, we need each other. Because not any of us has all the gifts. If we had all the gifts that God supernaturally has, then we would be God. But he says, I want the world to see a picture of God, so I'm going to supernaturally give some people these gifts, and some people these gifts, and some people those gifts. And we're all gifted in different ways, and all those gifts are equally important. And the reason we have those gifts is not for ourselves, So what Paul says, I tell you, think of yourselves in sober judgment. When we use our gifts, be humble. It's not mine. It's his. And so therefore, I shouldn't think more highly of myself. I should give him the glory that he deserves. Because one gift is not better than the others. We all need each other, and we all fit together. And so when we understand that we find our identity in our salvation and how Christ has saved us, how the Spirit has indwelt us, and how he has equipped us and empowered us to serve. So the first step in our identity finding our identity in community is knowing that we find our identity in Christian community. Secondly, when we understand our identity, we will find our purpose. We will find our purpose. So here's, here's what I'd like to, to just give you an example as. So we're here on a Sunday morning and Boy, Les is gone. I don't know if you noticed. Les is gone. We miss him. Les, if you're watching online, I miss you. Like, we wish you were here. But Les, like, here's the deal. You know, 
God is really good and he can do amazing things. So for the last hymn, I'm just going to play the organ. Okay? So I'm just going to like, you know, like I can do all things through Christ. He gives me strength, right? I have faith. I believe. Let's, uh, let me sit at the organ and I'll play the organ. How, how does that sound? That sounds really good, right? That's a really terrible idea, right? Right, like Les right now is in Florida screaming, don't touch that, you're going to break it. And then like, let, like, God has not gifted me, he's not called me, he's not given me the purpose. If Les was here, that guy can play the organ, can he? We are remarkably blessed to have someone that can get on the organ and can play that like, like it's nothing, it's remarkable. But if I tried to do what Les does, I would break the organ, right? Like, I would break something. Maybe the organ, something bad would happen if I tried that. At very least, it wouldn't sound anything like it. I wouldn't know what pedals to press. I wouldn't know what to do. Because God doesn't want me playing the piano. Or the organ. The piano's over here. The organ, right? God called less to that. Less found his purpose in that. You see, and when we recognize that God has created us with different gifts and different abilities, and we all have different strengths, and when we look at how we're gifted, then we can begin to understand and fulfill the purpose that God has for us. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. So literally, we are the wood in, in God's workshop, and he crafts us like a master carpenter into something beautiful. And he says, the reason that I crafted you into something beautiful is that you can go and do good works. And the last part of that verse is, which God has planned in advance for you to do. You have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And he has gifted you in a powerful way to achieve that purpose. And if God has given you the gifts that you need to fulfill that purpose, then guess what? You cannot fail. You cannot fail. If you use the gifts that God has given you to achieve the purpose that he gave to you, you cannot fail. Now, if I try to achieve God's purpose on my own strength, I'm going to fail miserably, like playing the organ. If I decide to use God's gift for something other than his purpose, that's going to fail too. But if I use his gifts that he's given me for his purposes, then you will succeed. So my good friend, a, friend, a guy by the name of Dan Lavalier, so he and I had a conversation. So if you've gone to the podcast which we'll talk about again later. Uh, so we do a podcast, I do a podcast, and I talked with Dan, and I had a great conversation with him, but he brought something up that I'm going to use. So this is not my genius. This is his genius. This is really good. He says, you know what? The body of Christ is like Mr. Potato Head. I was like, 
call me intrigued. I'm intrigued. He said, yeah, you get the potato, but if I just put all sorts of arms on the potato, is that a good Mr. Potato Head? No. Like, well, what if, what if I have all the right parts? I've got the eyes, the ears, and the arms, but I put an arm on the head, and then the eyes on the side, and an ear on the front. Is that good? No. Because you have to have the eyes on the front and the nose and the mouth, and you put it all in the right place, and then it looks like you've got a potato, right? But the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. That's, that's Paul talking to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, the hand can't say to the, to the eyes, I don't need you. We all need each other, and so some of us are hands, and some of us are eyes, and some of us are ears. And we all need to fulfill our purpose, and we need to find the right place where we fit. Because eyes on the back of the head could be helpful at some point, but we also need them on the front of our heads. And so as we serve and we find our purpose in the body of Christ, we need to find where we fit, too. Because when we're vertically right with God, that means we'll be serving one another sacrificially, which will ultimately give more glory to our God. So we find our identity in community, and then when we find our identity, that gives us purpose. And lastly, when we fulfill our purpose, we will make an impact. You see, Paul says, use your gifts in the proportion of the faith that you've been given. So Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 12 says, hey, I, the hand can't tell the rest of the body I don't need you. Right? Like the Adams family, remember the hand that just runs around and it's just a hand? That's not the way our life works as Christians. The hand must be attached to the body right? We can't just have a hand running around. We can't be out doing everything. We're all in it together. And if we think about it like this, that as Christians, every Christian throughout history is tied together with a rope. We're all tied together in the direction in which we choose to go together will determine how we move together in the kingdom. If we go back to Exodus chapter 20, we see God says, to those who reject me, I will curse them to the third and fourth generations. So he says, what you do today, hey, Moses, you and the people of Israel, if you choose to reject me, your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will still be living with the impact of that. Let that sink in. When, if we choose to reject God, if we choose to not live in the identity that we have, to not fulfill the purpose that God has for us, that will have an impact to the third and fourth generation. But then he says, but to those who follow me, I will bless them to the thousandth generation. So he says, yeah, there's, there's a negative effect if we choose not to be faithful, but if you choose to be faithful, there is an abundance of blessing that will go out. So think about the rope. We're all tied together 
throughout history. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about a great cloud of witnesses. And if you were paying attention earlier, there's a therefore in Hebrews 12. Therefore, so you have to go back and look what the therefore is therefore. And in Hebrews chapter 11, you find the writer of Hebrews saying, here was Abraham who showed faith and it was credited to credited it to him as righteousness. Here was Moses. He showed faith. It was credited to him to him as righteousness. And there's all these stories of great men and women who showed their faith in God, who are now witnessing and testifying to us, saying, don't give up, keep going, fulfill your purpose because it's worth it. And it is it is my hope and prayer that as we reach to the thousandth generation that we will become part of that great cloud that tells the next generations keep going because Jesus is worth it. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Mordecai Ham. Anyone ever heard of Mordecai Ham? Nobody. You should know who Mordecai Ham is because Mordecai Ham did an amazing job of helping to make an impact by finding his purpose. Mordecai Ham was, I mean, there's, there's nothing, nobody, we don't know about him. He never wrote a book. He didn't have a podcast. He wasn't on TV. He never preached to millions of people. But Mordecai Ham was a Sunday school teacher. Every Sunday morning, he would show up to this small little country church, and he would teach Sunday school to all the kids that would come. Every kid that would come, he would sit there and faithfully preach the word to them. He would teach them about the Bible. He would show them God's love. He would talk to them. He would be their friend. He would guide them. He would mentor them. And he showed God's love to a small group of kids in a small little church. Nothing necessarily remarkable. I would think there's lots of people. There's lots of Sunday school teachers, aren't there? We've got a lot here in this room. One, one morning, Mordecai Ham was doing his Bible lesson, and afterwards, after he was done teaching, one of his students came up to him and said, hey, you talked about Jesus, and you talked about my sin, and I realized that I'm a sinner and I need salvation, so I would love it if you would help me come to saving faith in Jesus. So they had a long conversation, and this young boy gave his life to Jesus and began a lifelong pattern of looking to follow Jesus and tell people about Jesus. That little boy's name was Billy Graham. If you go on the campus of Wheaton College, they have a museum dedicated to the ministry of Billy Graham. And when you walk in, there is a little picture of Mordecai Ham. You would miss it if you weren't looking for it. The Sunday school teacher who led a little boy to Christ, 
who advised six different presidents, who preached to millions of people, who preached on six different continents, right? Who saw, I don't even know how many people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ because of his preaching. And who has kids, Anne Graham Lotz is his daughter, who he says is the greatest preacher he'd ever heard. Man, I would feel really good if Billy Graham told me I was the greatest preacher you ever heard. That was, that's a pretty good compliment. He said that about his daughter, and then his son is doing humanitarian work through, through Samaritan's Purse. Franklin Graham is doing all this work to help people all around the world. And here we have this cloud of witnesses that started with one man who said, I'm going to teach Sunday school. And his impact continues to go because he taught Sunday school. But then we could go back, like who led Mordecai Ham to Christ? Who did this? We can go all the way back. We're tied together. Friends, when you teach Sunday school, it matters. When you volunteer, when you come here, when you're doing your work, when you serve on a committee, when you do kids' church, if you help out with the youth group, it matters. Use your gifts to make an impact. God has a purpose for you. Like, two questions that humanity has been asking itself since the beginning of time. Who am I and why am I here? And Jesus on the cross says, 1 John 3 says, Behold what manner the Father has lavished his love upon us that we should be called his children. Who are we? We are the children of God. We've been saved by grace through faith. What is our purpose? That we would use our gifts that he has given to us so that we can tell others about him and that they might become his children. That we would demonstrate the love that God has demonstrated to us. That we would take that to others so that they would feel that same love. So we need to find our identity together. When we find our identity, we'll find our purpose. And when we fulfill our purpose we will impact others. So let me wrap up here. There might be some of you who are like, you know, this is all in good, and I understand what you're saying, but there's one question that I have, like, how do I know how God has supernaturally empowered me? Like you say that, God didn't send me a cape. He didn't give me like an outfit. I can't shoot spider webs out of my hands. You know, like you might be thinking, I don't have those supernatural powers. How do I find out? Well, here's what I'd like you to do to all the educators in here, and there's a lot of you. I'm giving you all homework. Okay, this feels good. Like I'm finally, I get, you all get homework. So, so this week we released a podcast. Drew did a great job of helping us get, I recorded a podcast, Covenant Conversations. You should download it, like it, share it, 
right? Like, that's great. But in the most recent episode, I talk about our spiritual gifts, and we'll show you a link, but there's a link here, and outside there is a spiritual gift survey. Okay, so this is the one that I took. So there's a bunch of questions, and what you do is you fill out the answers to the question based on one to five, then you add it up, so you're going to do math, so I'm assigning you math homework. And then, at the very end, you'll come up with totals on different gifts that will tell you how God has gifted you to serve. Okay? Because here's the deal. If you're a teacher, we want to put you in a role where you're teaching. If you're an administrator, we want to put you on a committee. Right? Like, we want to find how God has gifted you, and we want to help you find a place where you can fulfill your purpose and make the greatest impact. So, I want you to go home and fill this out. There's also some out here on the table. Fill it out, see what your gifts are, but don't stop there because we're in community, right? We've got to be together. So, then I want you to send an email with your top three scores. So all you have to do is just say, here are my top three gifts, and send that to myself, and include Jim and Amanda in that. Because we have a desire, we have a need, the community of Christ needs you. We, we want to make as big an impact as we can, right? We want to put you in a place where you will fulfill your purpose. And when you do that, John, in, in John 15, it talks about when we are in remaining in Christ, we feel his joy. We can become the joyful Christians that live in accordance with what God has called us to do. And man, that would be fantastic. So I want you to either go online, fill this out, listen to the podcast, the most recent one, because I'll talk through this, you can hear me kind of processing through, through this test. And then also out there, there is a list of all the gifts, and it describes each one of you, each one of them. And say, okay, here are the things that I'm gifted, and then share it with, with, with myself, and then add Jim and Amanda to that email. Everyone understand the assignment? I'll accept late work too, okay? Like, I'm not, <laughs> there's no due date. But, man, go home and do that. Then watch a football game, send me an email. Man, I hope you guys, man, I hope I spend all day tomorrow reading your emails. Like that would be my goal is that you all, because friends, if we can figure out our identity, our purpose, and then fulfill our purpose by using the gifts that God has given us, Jesus said to Peter, you're the rock on which I'll build the church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. You see, because when we use our gifts, when we fulfill our purpose in who we are in Christ, notice the gates of hell are a defensive thing. That means we're on the offense, right? That means we're the ones that are taking it to the enemy. It means they're the ones that are running scared. Listen, as a, 
I'm sick and tired of running. Let's take it to it. Let's make the gates of hell rumble today because we are a group of people who are finding our gifts, finding who we are, and fulfilling our purpose. Wouldn't that be great? I would love that. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much um, for being such a great God, Lord, and we, um, we're just so grateful for the love that you showed us in Christ. And I pray that today we would live in that purpose and we'd fulfill that purpose by impacting each other today. We pray that in your name. Amen.